we're starting this new series called Parables. Parables is basically another word for stories. Jesus told stories everywhere he went. He did not preach a message without a story. And, and he would tell these stories to prove some powerful points. And today I want to talk about one of the most important parables Jesus ever told. And it's a big idea from the beginning of the Bible to the end of the Bible. This idea, this principle that Jesus is going to teach might be one of the most important things that God taught. One of the most important topics that God talked about so much. And just when we think we've heard all there is to hear about it, or just when we think we know all there is to know about this topic, something happens in our lives that tests how we handle this topic, that tests the way that we respond to people in this very area. And I want to talk to you today about forgiveness. Forgiveness. Why can't I forgive some people? Why is it hard for me to forgive some people? Why do I feel like they don't deserve it at times? I thought about titling this message, They Don't Deserve That. Have you ever felt that before? They don't deserve that? In Spain, there's a story about this um, father and son that got really mad at each other. And, and the son said some very hurtful things to his dad. Basically just said, I, I hate you. And the father kicked the son out of the house as a teenager, just said, get out of my house. I don't want to see you again. Well, the mother was heartbroken. And she said, please, honey, go and find your son. And months went by and the father's pride would not let him go and find his son. He didn't even care. But after a while, the father started to feel that pain that he wanted to see his son again. And he knew how much his wife wanted to see her son again. And so the father began searching and looking all over Spain and he couldn't find his son. And so the day finally came where, his, where his, the father bought a newspaper ad and on the front of the newspaper, he, he wrote these words on, on a huge ad. He said, Dear Paco, that was the name of his son. Dear Paco, meet me in front of the newspaper office at noon on Saturday. All is forgiven. I love you, your father. And on Saturday, 800 men named Paco <laughs> showed up looking for forgiveness and love from their fathers. It's funny, but it's true. How many fathers are estranged with their sons? How many fathers and sons have a broken relationship? How many mothers and daughters have a broken relationship? How much of our world's pain and brokenness really springs from this thought of forgiveness, the ability to forgive. And this is why we see so many marriages end and so many families break up and so many sons and daughters say, I don't wanna have anything to do with my dad or my mom or my stepfather or my stepmother. We see so much pain, so much of the crime rates in our world, it, it, it comes back to this whole topic of forgiveness. And we want to hoop and holler and talk about faith and miracles and get, you know, better, greater lives. And God says, yeah, yeah, you might be able to memorize the whole Bible and have great faith. But if you don't have love, you're bankrupt. If you have a grudge against your dad, then you're bankrupt in the area that matters most to me. Because you can have all the wealth in the world. But if you don't know how to forgive the people who've hurt you, then God says you're missing the point. You're missing what's most important. So let's go to this parable about forgiveness in Matthew 18, verse 21. Yeah, you can make some noise. Matthew 18, verse 21. And here's how it starts. Here's how Jesus begins this story. Peter comes to him, one of the disciples, and he says, Lord, how many times do I have to forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? How many times do I have to forgive those who hurt my feelings, who betray me, who keep sinning the same way? And I love how Peter answers his question. He says, seven times, you know, with a question mark. He's like, let me just answer it for you, Jesus. Seven times, can you affirm my decision seven times? And Jesus says, no, Peter, 
I tell you not seven times, but 70 times seven. And so you start doing the math. You're like, okay, all right. 490 times. Do I get to, that's a little, that's a little extreme, Jesus, but can I cap it at 490 times? And the point Jesus is trying to make is that you shouldn't put a cap on forgiveness. You shouldn't put a lid or a ceiling on your forgiveness because if you will live with forgiveness, you can take the limits off of what God wants to do in your life. Your promotability is connected to your forgivability. You can't move into the next level and you learn until you learn how to forgive on this level. Like God wants to take you higher. He wants to take you further. But because you keep getting offended over so many petty little things, you keep staying on the level that you're at. If you would start walking in forgiveness, you would start to see the blessings and the windows of heaven begin to open up. The only place in the Bible where God actually commands his blessing is directly connected to how you handle forgiveness with your brothers and sisters. He said the commanded blessing of God is on brothers who dwell together in harmony, in unity. When brothers forgive each other, when sisters forgive each other, when fathers forgive their sons, when husbands forgive their wives, when wives forgive their husbands, why is it so hard to forgive though? I think that's really what Peter was asking was, Jesus, it's just hard. Like, I'm going to be honest, the feelings are hard. I've been with you for three years now, and it's still hard for me to forgive those people that have done things that just broke and damaged my heart in such, a, such an intense way. And here's the point. Like, forgiveness does not dismiss what they've done to you. Forgiveness does not give a permission slip or a pass for someone to keep hurting you and damaging you. It's what sets you free from holding on to the bitterness or the grudge. Forgiveness is an internal thing more than it's an external thing. So we've got to learn how to forgive. So Jesus takes this question and he says, let me tell you something, Peter. The kingdom of heaven is like this. This is where the story begins. There was a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And as he began the settlements, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Now I want you to just kind of see this as a picture. Trey, will you bring up those bags? I have two bags today of gold. It's not gold, it's rocks. But I want you to see, like 10,000 bags of gold was a lot of money. In fact, it was equivalent to three billion plus dollars. Okay, this is heavy. Let me just show you how heavy this is. Oh my word, thank you, Jesus. Okay, I'm not exaggerating. I know Trey just carried it up, no problem. But this is heavy. Everybody say heavy. The things that people have done to you, it's heavy. The things that people have robbed you of, it's heavy. It's a weighty thing. What she said to you, what he did to you, what your father did to you, it's, way, it's heavy. They owe you. Unforgiveness, it's always this feeling of they owe me, Paul. They owe me for what they've cost me. They owe me. They owe me so much. They have robbed me. They've robbed my peace, my joy. They owe me so much. And this is where this man was. He owed a whole lot of money to this man. Now, we don't know how it got to 10,000 bags. Most of us just think he probably made one bad decision and it cost the company $3 billion. But chances are he had made a whole lot of bad decisions, one after another after another. He just kept on costing the company. It was multiple mistakes, compounding to this moment where finally the boss said, you've made the same mistake 10,000 times and it's cost our company $3 billion. Where the wife said, honey, I have forgiven you 30,000 times for the same thing and you've done it again. 
and I'm tired of it. I'm sick and tired. And if I don't learn how to be done with bitterness, I'm going to be tempted to be done with my marriage. If I don't learn how to be done with my grudge, I'm going to be tempted. See, the ultimate act of bitterness is murder. The ultimate act of unforgiveness, this is why we see so much like crazy violent acts in the world today is it really springs from the inability to forgive. It springs from the inability to deal with the bitterness and the hurt, the ultimate act of, and you may not physically murder someone, but you'll murder the relationship. You'll murder them in your mind. You say, I am done. I don't want to see them. I don't want to hear from them. They broke my heart. They damaged my kids. The doctor gave my father the wrong medicine and it accelerated his sickness. So sure, Paul, I'll forgive all the church people that have hurt my feelings, but I am not forgiving St. Francis. And I'm not forgiving St. John. And I'm not forgiving the doctor. And I'm not forgiving the mom of the son that bullied my little boy. Because now his lifestyle has been changed by the bullies that hurt him when he was in first grade. See, it's easy to forgive the petty little offenses. But then it's those big things that over time you go, they owe me 10,000 bags of gold. They've ruined my son. That company let my husband go and he did nothing wrong. He gave them 25 years of his life. That church did us wrong. That's why we're here at Victory, Paul. I love you, but I hate them. And I want you to know as your pastor, I am praying you'll forgive every church that's hurt you. Because if you don't, that grudge will continue to rob you of the joy and the peace that God has for you. You say, but Paul, you don't know what they did to us. They owe us. They owe us. They owe us so much. And as long as I live with that feeling, as long as I live with you owe me, it's robbing me of the peace and the joy that God has for me. I want to just show you a list of what unforgiveness does to you. Here's what unforgiveness does to you. Unforgiveness holds you back from the destiny God has for you. Unforgiveness keeps you in chains on the inside. You think that you're the one that's robbing other people of joy by holding the grudge against them. It's holding you back. Unforgiveness is like cancer in the bones. It's killing you slowly. Unforgiveness is like drinking deadly poison, hoping for the other person to die. So you just keep drinking it. And it's killing you. Unforgiveness robs you of peace and joy and love and the grace you desperately need. And then there's that scripture. There's that prayer that Jesus says we should be praying every day. It's called the Lord's Prayer. And you might have forgotten about that because Jesus said, when you pray, pray this prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And you go, that's my favorite part. I love that part. Heaven on earth in my life. Blessings, increase, harvest, joy, peace. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Jesus says, keep on praying. Read the next part. <laughs> okay. Give us this day our daily bread. Oh, I love that. I need bread every day. Give me some Panera bread. Give me some Zio's bread. Give me some, some, some bread. <laughs> and then he says, and then, then, and then the next part, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who've trespassed against us. Lord, forgive me the way that I've forgiven my ex. Forgive me the way that I've forgiven my father. Forgive me the way that I forgave the family that betrayed my parents. Forgive me the way that I forgive the dad of the kid that beat up my son. Forgive me the way that I forgive the drunk driver that ran into my uncle. Forgive me the way that I forgive 
the people that fired my dad. Forgive me the way that I forgive. Forgive me the way. And Jesus says, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Stop right there and pause right there every single day. Because blessed are the merciful, Matthew 5, 7. Blessed are the merciful for they shall be shown mercy. The same way that you forgive others. God says, that's how I'm going to forgive you. So back to the story. This man owes the king so much. It's impossible for him to pay this price. And watch what happens. Since he was not able to pay the price in verse 25, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. You said, that's harsh. Because back in those days in the Middle East, when someone made a mistake, they were the only one that had to pay for that mistake. So if a man cost a company billions of dollars, he was the only one who had to pay that debt. But Jesus wanted to show how harsh this thing was. He said, not only are you gonna pay for this debt, but your wife is gonna pay for it. Your kids are gonna pay for it. And really, that's what happens in our lives. When we make a big mistake, like when a husband cheats on his wife, it doesn't just break her heart. The kids are broken, right? And then the father of that wife is, is angry. So then the in-laws are, are hurting. So the whole family is feeling the pain of this man's mistake. And they're all going, you cost us. You cost us. You owe us. You broke our hearts. You damaged the family. And we feel so hurt. But watch what happens. And this is the amazing, reckless love of God. And I want to tell you today, you're about to collide with the undeserving, reckless, overwhelming, unconditional love of Jesus Christ. You just stepped into the grace zone today. And you might be tempted to say, but, but he doesn't deserve it. They don't deserve it. Now, I need it because I need mercy, but he doesn't. And watch what happens. The man begins to beg. And he says, please, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I disappointed you. I'm sorry I let you down. I know I've done it so many times and I've finally, it's, my la it's the last time I'll do it. I promise you, I beg you, please be patient with me. I'll change. I'll rebuild the bridge of trust. I'll repair the damages that I've caused. And here's the interesting thing. The, the, the ruler, the king, he knows it's impossible to pay this back. When someone hurts you, deeply hurts you, they could never pay it back. And this is the power of forgiveness. Forgiveness, it's so radical. It's so amazing. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't say that what you did is okay. It says, I'm canceling the debt. Because you can't pay it. But he paid it all. And this is what the ruler says in this moment. Watch what happened. This is amazing. The master has compassion on him. And he says, I forgive you. The debt is canceled. You're free. This was powerful. This was a moment of extraordinary forgiveness. This was a moment where the pardon was made. Some of you in the room, you're going, ah, there's some people who've hurt me really bad, Paul. This is one of those tough messages, Paul. There's some people that have really let me down. So let's just talk about some rational reasons of why it's hard for us to forgive. Why oftentimes we slow down the forgiveness path. We, we choose to kind of wait on it for a little bit. First, first off, the reason why I think we have a hard time forgiving people and really letting them off the hook is one, you say, I can't forgive because it's too big. I can't forgive them because it's too big. Paul, it's just too big. I mean, there's just, they, they've really let me down. Like he, he did this to my son 
she, they did this to my daughter. He broke my daughter's heart. They did this to my dad. They let him go. They caused him to die. The drunk driver ran into him. It's just too big, Paul. So yeah, I'll go to church. I'll forgive everyone else. But that one right there is secretly in my heart. I'm holding on to it. And the bigger it is, the more you got to let it go. Secondly, we say, well, time will heal it. Time will heal it. So I'm not going to deal with it. I, can I borrow your phone, Daniel? Time will heal it. And do you have the calendar on your phone? Can you open up? I don't know your password. Um, <laughs> that's probably good. Okay. But let me just show you the calendar for a second. Siri, can you make sure that my relationship gets healed sometime down the road? Siri can't fix it. The calendar can't fix it. Hey, calendar, can you heal the relationship between me and my dad? And the calendar's like, I'm just a calendar. All I can do is tell you the date and the time. Well, Paul, time will heal all wounds. And time's like, no, I won't. I can't. I can't. I'm literally just a clock. I'm just a calendar. Have you ever just looked at your apps and you're like, my apps are going to fix all my relationships. Siri can't fix it. The calendar can't fix it. Your watch won't fix it. One of these days, five years from now, things will finally be settled between me and my ex. Things will finally be good. Time heals all wounds, Paul. So I'm not going to deal with it. I'm just going to let time resolve it, heal it. I'm going to let time fix it. And time's like, I can't fix anything. I'm a clock. I'm a calendar. Time won't fix what you won't face. You've got to face it. And maybe you need to give them an hour. Maybe you need to give them a day. Maybe you need to give them a week because things are heated. But don't wait too long because you'll start waiting for the calendar to fix it. And it never will. You need to go and meet with that person and reconcile things today. Write a letter. Write an email. Some of you in the room, you say, I'll forgive when they say they're sorry. And here's the, here's the problem. They may never say they're sorry. Some of them are dead. They can't say they're sorry. You're holding a grudge against the dead person. They're in the grave and they're keeping you in the grave. They're holding you back from the life that God has for you. Stop waiting on them to say sorry and choose today. I forgive them. I forgive them. It's hard. It's painful, but I forgive them. Fourthly, I can't forgive if I can't forget, Paul. It, the memories keep coming back. Here's the beautiful thing about forgiveness. It changes the memory. It changes the narrative. So yeah, the memory might keep coming back of what they did to my child, what they did to my dad, what my mom said to me, what, what my uncle did to me. The memory might still, but when I choose to forgive every day, now I'm not interpreting the memory through a negative lens. Now I'm saying, yeah, what the enemy meant for evil, God turned around for good. Yeah, my brothers, they threw me in a pit, sold me as a slave. They were the reason that I ended up in Potiphar's house. Yeah, Potiphar's wife accused me of a crime I didn't commit. I swear I didn't commit it, but I ended up in prison for a decade and a butler forgot about me but what the enemy meant for evil I still have the memories but I don't look at the memories the same way because what they meant to bury me God used to plant me what you thought was going to keep me underground I was just a seed and my forgiveness made me sprout into the palace you see forgiveness sets you free forgiveness causes you to sprout forgiveness unlocks your destiny fifthly I'll forgive them the only problem is I can't because they'll just do it again I, I don't want to forgive them because I'm giving them a pass, a permission slip to keep hurting me. The problem is with thinking like this is we constantly think that we're in control of other people's actions. So my grudge makes me the, but the, the reality is you're not in control. You're in prison. By holding back the forgiveness, you're holding back your freedom. So watch what happens here. 
The man is forgiven massively. The master lets him go. Everybody say, that's extraordinary forgiveness. I think sometimes we miss extraordinary forgiveness when it's happening right in front of us. This past week, I was watching the news and it was on my phone. I saw something that just caught my eye. It was on CNN, ABC, Fox News. It was on every channel. It was something extraordinary. It was this young man who was forgiving a police officer who walked into the wrong apartment and shot his brother and killed him. Unarmed man in his own apartment, in his own house. And the police officer accidentally walks in thinking it's her apartment and shoots him. And he dies. And she's in court. And I'm watching this, this whole court, courtroom moment. And the woman is sobbing and, and the uh, attorneys are talking to her. And all of a sudden, the brother of the man who got killed takes his place on the stand. He has something to say to this police officer that killed his brother. And I want you to see what happened because it's extraordinary. I don't want to say twice or for the hundredth time what you've or how much you've taken from us. I think you know that. But I just... I hope you go to God with all what, all the guilt all the, things, the bad things you may have done in the past, each and every one of us may have done something that we're not supposed to do. If you truly are sorry, I know I can speak for myself. I, I forgive you. And I know if you go to God and ask him, he will forgive you. And I don't think anyone could say it. Again, I'm speaking for myself, not even bad for my family. But I love you just like anyone else. And I'm not going to say I hope you rot and die just like my brother did, but I, see, I, I personally want the best for you. And I, I wasn't going to ever say this in front of my family or anyone, but I don't even want you to go to jail. I want the best for you. Because I know that's, what, that's exactly what both of them would want you to do. And the best would be give your life to Christ. I'm not going to say anything else. I think giving your life to Christ would be the best thing that both of them would want you to do. Again, I love you as a person. And I don't wish anything bad on you. I don't know if this is possible, but... Can, can I give her a hug, please?
please? Yes. What he was saying is, you owe me a lot. I know you say it was a mistake, but your mistake, it killed my brother. But I'm not going to live the rest of my life waiting for you to pay it back. I'm just letting you know it hurt. You took my brother from you said it was a mistake. <laughs> but your mistake cost me. But I choose to forgive. I'm canceling the debt. This is what Joseph did to his brothers. His brothers cost him years. He had a dream. He had a dream to be big. He had a dream to do something great. But his own family didn't like it. And so they threw him in a pit. And then they said, let's make money off him. They sold him as a slave. They mistreated him. They abused him. They cost him years of his life. If you were to add up all the days that Joseph missed out on being with his dad, being with his family, getting to do the dream that was in his heart, all the pain. But Joseph said, I forgive you. When Joseph forgave his brothers, it was 23 years after they had hurt him. Time had changed him. He was different. They didn't even recognize him in that moment. They came to him for help. The very people who hurt you the most, someday in your life, the test will come where God will give you a chance to help them. And the test will be, can you, the real test of leadership is not how good can you speak, but how good can you forgive people? Your promotability is connected to your forgivability. God says, I can't take you to the next level when you're still holding on to grudges and bitterness. See, th this is what unforgiveness really does, Trey. I want you to bring this chain because oftentimes we think, Paul, I, I just can't let it go. I can't let go of what they did to me. Someone hurt my family when I was younger. My parents immediately forgave them, forgave them. In fact, the offense was specifically towards my dad. But as his son, I took the bitterness. I took the offense. 
Even though my dad forgave them, I held the grudge against that family. And here's what happens. Even though I said, well, I forgive them, the grudge was still on the inside. And then you see them again. And you get wrapped up. You get wrapped up. And it's tighter. And it's tighter. And it's tighter. And so God says, come on, I need you to be the dad that I've called you to be. And I try to pursue being that father that he's called me to be. I'm trying to teach my sons about forgiveness. And he says, I need you to be the husband I've called you to be. And I'm trying to be the husband he's calling. I need you to be the pastor I've called you to be. But because I'm still thinking about the family that hurt my parents when they were pastors, I can't even walk in the, the gift and the calling he's got for me because I'm, I'm in chains to my bitterness and my grudge. And you think holding on to that unforgiveness isn't costing you anything. It's costing you everything. Salvation is free. But following Jesus will cost you. If there is no sacrifice, then it's really not following. Like the real, and here's the thing. When you choose to sacrifice your hurt, your pain, your wounds, your grudges, when you say, you know what, I'm bringing that to the altar, here's what happens. You get free from that thing that's been binding you. So now I can be the dad he's called me to be. I can be the pastor he's called me to be. I can be the husband he's called me to be. But if I'm still mad at my dad, for hurting me? How am I supposed to teach my sons how to walk in forgiveness when I'm angry at my father who's in the grave? Some of you in this room, you have a father wound because your dad never showed up when he said he was going to show up or he walked out. He left you when you needed him. And so you had to raise the family. You had to be there for your mom while she was crying because daddy went off with another woman. And you're trying to be the man God's called you to be today. But you're still holding on to the anger of what your dad did to you when you were 12, when you were 10, when you were eight. Or maybe it was someone else. I don't know who it was, but for this man, he was forgiven of a whole lot. He cost this man a lot, and yet he was forgiven. And I want the keys to come out, but I want you to see this. Verse 28, when the, when the servant was forgiven of his massive debt, he goes out and he finds someone who owes him a hundred silver coins. There's always a test right after you're forgiven. How will you treat the people in your life that owe you? How many in this room have been forgiven of some big things? <laughs> yeah, most of us in this room. And what happens is we forget what we've been forgiven of. The reason why it's hard for me to forgive people is because I've forgotten what I was forgiven of. This man goes out and he finds someone who owes him a hundred silver coins and he grabs him by the throat. Henshaw, stand up. He grabs his friend Henshaw and he says, you owe me, you owe me, you robbed me. And now I've come to get what I deserve. And watch what happens. The man falls on his knees. Hey, wait, 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 where have we seen this before? Jesus is such a good storyteller. He makes everyone feel convicted. <laughs> I know when it's quiet in the room, everyone's going, ooh, yeah. God's looking at you and he's saying, I forgave you of some of the nastiest, ugliest things you thought and that you said. I forgave you of where you went last week. I forgave you where you went on the websites last week. And you can't forgive her for that? You're gonna hold that over her head. When I just forgave you of 10,000 bags of gold, 
Have you forgotten what God forgave you of? Because the way you're treating your husband right now makes it look like God did nothing for you. Just holding it over his head. You're going to pay me back, honey. You robbed me of my peace. And God's going, no, no, hold, hold on, babe. Hold on, honey, daughter. Because this was you five verses ago. Have you forgotten? That, that was you. That was you. And I'm not going to say what you've done. Because as a pastor, I just know too much. And I don't want anyone to feel uncomfortable. I just want you to know, God's watching how you handle the people who have hurt you. That's biblical. Jesus said, here's what the kingdom looks like. You're forgiven a whole lot. And then you go out and you hold a grudge against someone who owes you a hundred silver coins. And he's trying. It's not like he's intentionally trying to rob you. He could pay it back. Give him 30 days. A hundred silver coins, it's one month's rent at a cheap apartment here in town. He just, just let him get a job. He's going to try to fix it. No! The Bible says that the servant grabbed him by the throat and said, you will pay. Throws him in prison. How do you know if you're angry or bitter? How do you know if you're a bitter person? When you have imaginary conversations and no one's around, <laughs> you're mowing the lawn. Oh, if I could just say this to them. You have these moments where you feel in control. You're the one standing up and they're the one bowing down. Forgiveness is to get right down there with them and say, man, I've been there. I messed up too. And I need God's forgiveness. We find our healing on our knees. We find our reconciliation and friendships and marriages and families, relationships right here. You don't find it right here, punished. You find it right here. Isn't this like the woman that was caught in the act of adultery? Who wants a stone? We caught him. He's looking at porn again. We caught him. Come on, let's all get our stones out. How are we going to punish the people that owe us? And Jesus says, you who've never sinned, you who've never needed forgiveness ever in your life, the ones of you in the room that have never needed mercy, you get to cast the first stone at the guy who owes you, at the woman who did something that you're so angry about. And one by one, the religious people drop their stones. But the servant, he couldn't let it go. So he throws him in prison. And guess what? Everyone found out about it and they went and told the master. They said, you know the guy that was on his knees begging for mercy that owed you 10,000 bags of gold and you forgave him of all the, the bad, dirty sins he committed? Yeah. Well, he just went out and he just punished the guy who owes him a hundred silver coins. And watch what happens. The master, thank you so much, Daniel. The master goes out, finds that man and says, because you wouldn't forgive them, I am going to make you pay every last penny. And can I tell you something today, church? The reality is forgiveness is a big idea. It's tough. Forgiveness does not make what someone did okay. It sets you free from the grudge and the prison that you've been in. I, I want to tell you what forgiveness really does, because I've told you what unforgiveness does. But here's what forgiveness does. It's a gift to you more than it's a gift to them. 
It unlocks your freedom. It commands God's blessing in your life. It initiates the healing process of your heart and the relationship. It builds up your mercy trust fund. See, every time I sow mercy, I'm putting mercy in my trust fund for the day that I'm going to need some mercy. It opens a door to God's heart, to God's favor in your life. It makes you look more like Jesus. So in order for me to forgive, I've got to remember what I've been forgiven of by God. I've got to reflect on how Jesus forgave those who killed him and all of us for our sin. Jesus forgave us for all of our sins. Here's how you forgive. You remember what you've been forgiven of. You reflect on what Jesus did when he forgave everyone who sinned against him. Three, I'm gonna recite the Lord's Prayer. I dare you this week just to recite the Lord's Prayer every day. Just wake up every day and say, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who've trespassed against us. And pause right there. Just say, Lord, if there's anything, how do I know if I haven't forgiven someone? Where there's a tone, there's a stone. When the tone changes in the conversation with you and that person, there's a stone there. Well, it's only when we talk about certain topics that I get a little heated, frustrated. Why not get that stone and throw it out? Why not pull those chains off? When there's a look, there's a book. Some of you, here's how I know if you're bitter. You're giving somebody a look. The stank eye. You know? And the kids are going, why, why do you get uncomfortable every time they walk into the room? Why does your heart start beating faster? Why do you, why do you say negative things when their name is brought up? Why, why do you come across so jaded about that person, about that church, that organization, that company? When you go to church and then you see them at church and you're going, now hold up, we were supposed to go to two separate churches. <laughs> and God's going, what if they're your next door neighbor in heaven someday? And you go, well, they don't deserve to be up there. And God's going, <clears throat> and what about you? What about the stuff you did when you were 18? This last week, I, I got tempted to be really offended. I took my kids to the fair, which was a bad idea on Friday night. We went down Midway. We had fun. We were with AJ and Amber, but it was just crazy. It was really crowded. Had Liam, Benny, Mac, and baby Ellie. And we leave the fair. We're in our car. We're driving out of the parking lot when all of a sudden these two teenage girls come rushing through the, the parking lot in their big truck, and they got their music blaring, and they're not looking and they about slammed, T-boned into my kid's side door where Ellie, our four week old baby girl is. And I was furious. And I honked my horn. I didn't say any bad words, but I let my horn do the talking. <laughs> beep, 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 you know? And Liam goes, Daddy, what's wrong? What's going on? Why are you honking the horn so much? I said, those girls almost just hit us. And he said, but we forgive them, Daddy. <sighs> I love it when my kids preach my sermons to me. Who do you need to forgive? And I've got to release the need to see people suffer. Release the need to see people pay for it. I'm not saying that people shouldn't have consequences for their mistakes. They should. That's justice. But when you have to see it, and you get some enjoyment from it, 
and it almost makes you giddy and happy to see people suffer for what they've done to you, something needs to shift in your heart because it's toxic. It's holding you back. And I've got to choose to be a forgiver today before any more offenses come. Offenses are gonna come. Jesus said they're gonna come all the more as, as the end of your life approaches. As, the, as Jesus gets ready to return, there's gonna be more offenses, more offenses. But if I can choose today, I'm so glad that God chose yesterday to be a forgiver for me today. The Bible says his mercies are new every morning. Stand up on your feet all over this place, church. God does not use Tuesday's mercy on Wednesday. He does not use Wednesday's mercy on Thursday. He has brand new mercy for us every single day. So maybe you slipped up yesterday. Guess what? He forgave you of that yesterday. You say, Paul, are you sure he's got enough for me today? God says, I got a brand new bucket for you today. I already used up yesterday's. I got a brand new tank of mercy for you today. Every time you wake up and see the sunrise, just be reminded his mercies are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. And every time you see the sunset, just be reminded he has prepared more grace for me tomorrow. So whatever I face tomorrow, he's got a brand new tank of mercy. And if I will live in that, if I will walk in that, I will experience that in my life. I remember a few years back, my brother and I got into a, a, a heated argument right around Christmas time. It was over something to do in the church and we saw things differently. And it was like the enemy was using it to divide. The enemy tries to get us divided. This race against that race, men against women, young against old, husbands against wives, fathers against sons, mothers against daughters. He tries to get us divided. And oftentimes we play right into his tactics. And I could feel it. The enemy was trying to divide me and my brother John. And right there in that moment, it was like God was speaking to both of us to just drop our offenses and forgive one another. And by the end of the phone call conversation, we found ourselves both in tears on the phone. And I said, John, I love you. He said, Paul, I love you. John, I need you as my brother. Paul, I need you as my brother. Paul, John, I'm sorry. Paul, I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. No, I forgive you. No, I forgive you. And all of a sudden, the Bible says the commanded blessing of God flows when brothers dwell together. I'm telling you, some of you, if you just started walking in forgiveness, God has so much more he wants to do in you and through you and for you but it starts with taking your stone and saying I'm gonna let it go I'm gonna let it go some of you are holding the stone against yourself they forgave you God forgave you but here you are And the self-hatred is cutting you. And you got a gun to your head or you got a rock against your head. You're saying, I don't deserve to live. I'm so ashamed of my sin. I regret my decisions. I messed things up with my family. I broke their hearts. And God says, you need to drop that stone you've been holding over yourself. But God, I'm such a... I just messed up. I just do it. I just, I don't know how to stop. I don't know. And God says, stop it. As long as you keep beating yourself in the head, you'll never be healed. As long as you keep cutting yourself, you'll never be free. You can't love people better by hating yourself more. Drop the stone. And when you drop it, drop to your knees 
and say, God, I'm the prodigal son. I've come home. I know I've broken your heart, but God's like the father. He just runs out to the field. He says, I've been waiting for you. I love you. With heads bowed and eyes closed all over this room. Some of you right now, you're holding on to hurt. You're holding on to bitterness. You're holding on to a grudge. Maybe it's against yourself. Maybe it's against someone who hurts you. Maybe it's against a governmental leader, someone you've never met. You just see them on TV, but they've made you so angry, so bitter that you can't even look at them. You can't pray for them. You can't think any positive thoughts. It's just so negative on the inside about that person, about that place, about those people, about yourself. Who do you need to forgive? Do you need to forgive God? Do you need to forgive others? Do you need to forgive yourself? With heads bowed and eyes closed, if, if one of those categories is correct, if there's been pain, if there's been hurt, if there's been wounds, if there's been pride that's caused you to not forgive, today's a great day to say, I'm taking the chains off. I'm ready to walk in freedom. I'm ready to stop drinking the poison. I'm ready to start letting the healing begin. If that's you, I want you to just lift your hand all over this room. Yeah, one, two, three. This is your moment. Don't miss it. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes, yes. You're moving into a new place of grace. You're about to see a promotion in your life simply because you're choosing to forgive, simply because you're choosing to drop the stones. You're choosing to start walking in the grace today. Secondly, you're here today and you say, Paul, I need forgiveness. I've sinned and I need to receive God's forgiveness. If that's you, raise your hand. Today is a day of grace, a day of new beginnings, a day to receive God's mercy, God's bold love, God's audacious, reckless, unconditional kindness and compassion. If you raised your hand or you wanted to raise your hand, I want you to leave your seat. Come and join me at this altar today, today. Just leave your seat. Come as you are. Come with the hurt. Come with the wounds. Come with the pain. Come with the damage. Come with the chains. Today, bring it to the altar. Lay it at the altar. Come with the stones. Come with all of the books of what they've done to you and bring it to the altar. And let God change the narrative in your mind like he did for Joseph. He says, I know they did you harm. I know they hurt you. I know they mistreated you. I know they let you go from the company and you gave 25 years to them. I know they hurt your father. I know they hurt your mother. I know they hurt your sister. I know they hurt your brother. I know they hurt you. But today is a day to be healed in Jesus' name. Go ahead, Timmy, lead us in this song. Come on, the chains are gone today. The chains are falling off today. You don't have to hold on to it any longer. You don't have to rehearse it any longer. You don't have to remember it that way. He loves you. He loves you. He has new mercy for you today. almost didn't say this. I said it in the last service, but I want to say it right now. I felt like God was saying this needs to be said because on the other side of forgiveness is the person who did something wrong. And if that's you today, you need to know God loves you. He's not mad at you. He forgives you, but he wants you to rise up. So one, if you've done something wrong, recognize your wrongdoing, recognize it. 
Don't explain it away. Just recognize it. Secondly, internalize it. Recognize that you've hurt someone. Let it sink, sink in. Thirdly, repent with remorse. Don't just say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Say, I'm sorry. I own that. I was wrong. Just practice that with me. Say, I'm sorry. I was wrong. I own that. I'm going to get better. Come on. This is setting someone free today. Fourthly, give the person time that you hurt. Sometimes we want people to immediately forgive us. There's been times where I've hurt my, my wife's feelings. And I've taken that scripture that says, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. And I've used it the wrong way against her. I've said, don't let the sun go down. You need to forgive me. And she's going, don't manipulate me to forgive you. Some of you have emotionally manipulated some people to forgive you. Let, let there be some time. Let, let their heart just, they're going to forgive. And if they don't, fifthly, walk in understanding and grace. If they don't respond the way you hope, here's what's going to help you to walk free of bitterness. Because if you don't walk in understanding, you'll get bitter that they never forgave you. So I've got to walk in. I've got to then sixthly work on rebuilding trust again. So I've got to do things right. I've got to repair some things that I've done wrong. If you've done someone wrong, don't just say sorry. Show it with your actions. Hey, I'm going to make things right again. I'm going to work to do things right. I'm not going to abuse your forgiveness. I'm going to get better. And lastly, I'm going to daily choose to receive and release God's forgiveness. So every day I'm going to wake up and I'm going to say, God, I thank you that you forgave me. So I'm dropping the blade. I'm dropping the stone. I'm dropping the gun. And Lord, I'm choosing to forgive those who have hurt me. So Lord, in my thoughts, I'm, I'm releasing anyone who owes me something emotionally, mentally, owes my kids something. I'm choosing to forgive today so I can be the man, the woman that you've called me to be free of toxic bitterness, free of demanding people to do something for me, free of anger and pride. I want us just to pray this prayer together. Say, Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. You paid the price for my mistakes. You forgave me. I didn't deserve it. I didn't earn it. It was your gift. Grace made a way for me to be forgiven. So today, I repent of sin and I receive that gift of forgiveness, of grace. And I choose to give that gift to those who have hurt me. I choose to forgive. From this day forward, I choose to forgive. Before another offense comes, I've already decided I will be a forgiver because you have forgiven me so much. I'm all yours, God. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I love you, Victory. God bless you.